baseball firings, NFL retirings, Democratic debate, impeachment articles get a vote, and an SNA wrap-up. All this and the royal family on this week's Three Seas in a Pod. Three Seas in a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show are Chris Cervello and John Schofield. We thank you for coming on board with us. For more of the Provision Conversation, follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts at ProV Advisors. That's P-R-O-V Advisors. Or you can check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. As always, we look forward to hearing from you. And we're back. First on the board is Rearview Mirror. John, you're up first. What did you see back there? Uh, Well, the House has voted to send impeachment articles to the Senate, and with everything else happening in the news cycle, it almost seems like an afterthought. Now the the incredibly rare uh, and unforeseen circumstances uh, that we never thought we'd see again in politics, from Andrew Johnson to Richard Nixon to Bill Clinton, and now to present day, um, you know, the House has voted to set up the next phase of the impeachment fight, and it's coming next week. My rear view is, is really the, the interesting messaging that's taken place to try to frame this in the right way with the American people. Speaker Pelosi is, has been very measured in her ability or very measured in her uh, goal to get this done right on the Senate level. The fight has been about getting a fair trial on the Senate level. Uh, where a great many people all believe that it's fait accompli, that he's going to get off, um, they still have to do this. Will it hurt his brand? I don't know. The way that it's been going so far, it hasn't hurt his brand. It gets forgotten, um, and I think next week might be forgotten as well. So, Chris, before you jump in, here's the, here's the question that I put to, to both of you. Did the delay, did the gambit that House Speaker Pelosi seemed to play? I think both, and... Um and I don't mean to straddle, but I think that the calculus was that if they waited, the weight of public opinion and uh, media punditry, the news cycle would work to their advantage in getting a handful or two handfuls of Republicans to maybe be more reasonable and do the right thing. Okay. You're starting to see some of that, right? You're starting to see more discussion about calling for witnesses and um, bringing different elements in. But I also think that there is a segment uh, of the American public that looks at, at the delay and sees it as another political game. I think all three, if you were to say three sides here, one would be the the Democrats, one would be the Republicans in the Senate, and the other would be the president. I think all three are vying to see who can goon this up the worst. Um, and, and and what I mean by that is, is I personally don't think the delay is going to help her, um, help Speaker Pelosi and the Democrats. I also don't think the Republican, um, hey, there's nothing to see here. We've already made up our mind. I don't think that works for them either. And then the president has gooned this up from the from the get-go uh, in terms of the things that he says at rallies and the things that he says in, in the um, public realm, despite the how it raises money for him and how um, it seems to, to liquor up the base. So I, I think whoever makes the least amount of mistakes uh, is going to come out of this in the best position. And to me, this is not about impeachment. 
it's about the election. He's not going to be he he's not going to be found guilty. Um, so now it's just about what effect does this have on the election? We talked about this last week, Chris. You mentioned about things being broken. Granted, we were talking about things a little bit larger than than just the executive branch, but. When we see um, the, the president has had several rallies um, over the past couple of weeks, we also saw him at the national championship game uh, in appearance on Monday. We saw a picture taking and you know some video and things like that on social media. One thing I was thinking about uh, prior to, to us coming in here today was the continuation of sophomoric comments on from a from a lot of different people. I, Left side, right side, you know, you know what have you, and so my, I guess my my the reason I bring that up is as we move into next week's hearings, nicknames, things like that. How much does that play into people actually not even paying attention, really? Like because I think we're old enough to remember there was a time where everyone like it almost seemed like the everyday stuff stopped and you paid attention to what was happening. You cared about the proceedings. And, and I can tell you from my vantage point, I'm, I, it's not a priority. I'm not tuning in because, Chris, exactly what you said, he's not going to be found guilty. Um, how many people have already said, I, you know, I, I, I heard what went down in the House proceedings uh, I understand, you know, where uh, where someone may have have aired and it just doesn't matter. So how much does that play in moving forward to next week? I, I think the, the bigger issue here is that a lot of people view this the same way they view their vote uh, in the gigantic ocean of the Electoral College. Like my vote doesn't matter or my participation or my angst vis-a-vis uh, -vis impeachment does not matter because nothing's going to change. The, the framing that has been done from the Republican Party, um, particularly the most powerful congressman, uh, going through the process of, of the impeachment at the House level, have tried to paint this like a kangaroo court. It's a mess. And then if you read certain Democratic pundits, the, the message out there already is that, hey, you know, because of the overwhelming majority in the Senate, we're never going to be able to fix this. Uh, so don't be surprised if he is found not guilty um, and, and doesn't leave office. For those of you who think that's going to be the end, it's not going to be. So with that, all of that information already presented, I think a lot of people are like, why do I even give a shit about this? You know, a lot, a lot of Americans, and I don't think I'm wrong here, cared more about This Is Us coming back on TV last night uh, than impeachment next week. We'll, uh, we'll move forward here, Chris, but for those of you keeping score at home, the impeachment managers were named just this morning. Um, Chair uh, Congressman Adam Schiff of California, serving as the lead manager. Manager, excuse me, uh, Congressman Jerry Nadler of New York, um, Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren of California, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries of New York, Congresswoman Val Demings of Florida, Congressman Jason Crow of Colorado, and rounding it out, Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia of Texas. So we will uh, stand by here at Three Season a Pod to watch that. As it, um, Chris, what did you see in your rearview mirror? My rearview bash is was the Democratic debate. As I watched the debate with my family for some of it, and then as they lost interest and I, you know, watched the full two hours, I, I just kept. I found myself shaking my head. 
Um, one, I found myself shaking my head in that, I mean, it's clear that all of the folks on stage, I mean, we are at the point now where we've whittled away the fringe and I mean, there, there is quite, um, an articulate collection of potential candidates, uh, to be the democratic nominee. But it was also clear to me that each of those candidates is more interested in being president than they are in beating Donald Trump. I worry that given how the country is separated and given the noise, whether it's with the impeachment or any of the other things that are going on uh, in the world today, that they're going to not only crowd themselves out, but they're going to crowd the entire Democratic side out um, and that the president is really not going to be challenged in a way that affects that, as we've talked about before, that, you know, four to 10 percent. Um, I won't even say in the middle because I'm not even sure that they're in the middle, but it's that four to 10% that's affectable that will uh, drive the outcome of, uh, of this election. So I hope as this process moves along that there will be less of, can a woman be uh, elected president and any, you know, and is, is Buttigieg is, um, is his military service actually, you know, worth something or is Joe Biden too old or is Bernie too far left? And, um, that it'll be less of these bumper sticker issues and, and more substantive, uh, discussion and back and forth on real things that matter to real people. Isn't it amazing? It's and please tell me if it's just me. How you can seemingly beat people into uh, submission and, and get them to the point where it's just like, I give up. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, do you do you remember? I was thinking about this the other day. Do you remember how um, it seems like just a few weeks ago we were talking about Stephen Miller? At, the people were like, he needs to be fired because he, you know, because of this these white supremacists. He was and and now it's he's he's got to be somewhere. Like, ha 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 ha. Remember when we were talking about Ralph Northam? Right, 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 right. <laughs> or, right. or Rob Drake, right. the umpire. You know, right, 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 right. I'm amazed how we got to this point, January of 2020, where if you just, like, someone accuses you of something, and it's just like, so? Like, how, and, and how do we, where do we go? How, how does the pendulum go back the other way? We're fathers, we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're sons, we were raised, I know this, we were each raised in households where you were taught this is the right way, this is the wrong way, and when you see something as wrong, you you correct. You, you steer away from it. And, and and so that we've arrived here, and I know we've talked about this ad nauseum before, but it, but it amazes me as we continue to move forward and see where things are right now in, in terms of our world, uh, what we want for us, what we want for our kids, like, Hey, wait a second. You know, can you? Because I, I thought when last week, as you talked about things being broken, I, I sat with that for a minute, and I was like, <laughs> "Wait a second, is it? And can we correct?" Yeah, I mean, that's the you know sixty million dollar question or whatever that game show was. I, I think I think they are broke. I, I broke is pejorative. I, I think they are changed forever. I, I don't think that we get back to quote unquote the good old days. Um, some will say that there were never good old days, but I don't think we go back to the way it was before. Um, I, I think that the 
the Trump era, um, and and I mean you can't blame everything on the president, but the the social media era met with the Trump era met with um, you know information and technology the way it is met with just the selfishness uh, of being an American. Um, I think that is who we are for a while uh, until there's some sort of existential threat. And, you know, it, it forces us to, uh, to readjust. I, I, I'd love a conversation like, a, like if right here sitting at this table was Jack. Just to ask, so what are you, what are you doing? How do you, you know, how do you see your platform and the messages that are carried on it? Not just from the president, uh, but, but from many other people. Like, is it, do you feel, how beneficial is Twitter to the progression uh, of, of American culture? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it is interesting. I haven't thought about that as much with Twitter. Uh, I mean, as much as I've thought about it with Facebook, because Facebook is almost unapologetic in their desire to promote and provide free speech. Right. I mean, I'm sure you saw the discussions either last week or the week before, as you were saying, all this stuff kind of runs together right. where, you know, they were asked, hey, would you take down if, if you knew something was false or if you knew it was fake or I forget what descriptor they used, But I mean, it's kind of kind of the same. Um, would you would you make that person take it down? And I mean, essentially, they said it was their right, their speech their free speech to share that information in a way that they, that they wanted to. And then it was incumbent upon the, um, the audience to decipher uh, for themselves, whether or not that was, you know, the validity of, of that information. Um, I honestly don't know how I, how I feel about this. I mean, I, re I really don't, I'm not a big fan of the government getting in. I mean, I, I don't think the government can fix it. Uh, and I don't know that they're going to do any better than the environment will uh, correct itself. Um, but, but I think that, to your point, Twitter, Facebook, uh, other technologies, um, they certainly highlight uh, some of our worst angels uh, and some of our worst behaviors when it comes to communicating. How did you view the first Snow tweet? What was I just viewed it as your classic misinformation. Just, it doesn't matter if it's right. It doesn't matter that it was 55 degrees out. It, you know, it just matters that we put something out there and we believe it. Gentlemen, last week, uh, the Academy of Motion Pictures uh, made their Oscar nominations. Uh, they came out. Um, I'm just going to actually go through uh, the list here. And now, depending on who you are and what you prefer in a movie, uh, you were either satisfied or surprised. Uh, with uh, the list. I'm, I'm going to announce best pictures here. You had 1917, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, The Irishman, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, and rounding out uh, best picture noms, Marriage Story. Um, have either of you seen any of those movies? Yeah, I've seen, uh, I saw The Irishman. Saw uh, The Irishman, three hours of your life. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I thought was really, really good. You okay with the revisionist history at the end? 
um, yeah, I actually think that's what, you know, it's just like Inglorious Bastards, what Tarantino did with that. You know, spoiler alert, at the end of Inglorious Bastards, they kill Hitler. <laughs> you know, it's something that actually didn't happen in actual history. Right. Um, so that, yeah, I won't spoil alert the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it's a really, really neat take on on that end, which which is a very, you know, very memorable, ugly uh, chapter right. uh, in yes. the in the late '60s and the helter skelter movement of Charles Manson. But uh, yeah, I, I and and 1917, I was actually going to see tomorrow. Small uh, piece of trivia there: the main character is named Schofield in 1917, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he's obviously very athletic, very good looking, <laughs> handsome, handsome, as six shit. foot two, eyes of blue, uh, just I, like me. I've seen size none, 13 feet. I've seen none of those movies. <laughs> I, I mean, and I it, because like you just didn't have the time. Did you plan on seeing? Yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, I would like to see half of them. I mean, okay. I'd like to see. I haven't haven't taken the time to see the Irishman yet. Um, I probably will not see Little Women, uh, only because I've I've seen it a couple times in the different versions. So I mean, that that was my you know detractor. If if you know someone around me wanted to see it, perhaps I would. I do want to see 1917. Um, I do want to see Ford versus Ferrari, but um, I, I did not have the emotional connection. Again, we talk about awards. I, I did not have the emotional connection that um, lots of people did when these uh, when, when these noms came out. But that's and and, and I want to go right back to you, Bashan. But sure, that sure. that again is the is the discourse we're at. Is that people were more upset about the Oscars? about a meaningless, worthless, stupid award show. No disrespect intended. Yeah, well, actually, no. I, right. I intended disrespect. <laughs> um, then they did about, then they do about impeachment. Then they did about Donald Trump tweeting something. Like, if, if that's your outrage, if that's what you have to participate in, you, you have just as much chance of changing the outcome of Oscar nominations as you do of changing the political process. In fact, less so. You know, you can go out and canvas and knock on doors and change the political, you know, discourse of this nation. You're not mm-hmm. going to change the Academy of Motion Pictures' decision to not nominate any female directors uh, for best director. It's just the way it is. But people give a shit about these award shows on levels that I just don't understand why. I, I had a laugh because I I thought of um, Ricky Gervais' comment about. I decided not to do the uh, in memoriam because it wasn't diverse enough, right? I mean, it's just all week Priceless. I was all week I was you know, chuckling to myself right. about that. I look at my own duality in my argument, I, I, and and I don't know who like because it, look the two of you I know you you follow me on Twitter, um, but this and I the duality of the argument is such that I will complain about the fact that, wait a second, you know, why didn't uh, Lupita Nyong'o get nominated for Best Actress and for her portrayal in Us? Mm-hmm. Or why didn't Eddie Murphy get uh, a nod for his role in uh, Dolomite Is My Name? And then just in the history of it, it's not just, the, you know, Oscars 2020. This is a very long history here. Well, Adam, Adam Sandler and uh, in, in <laughs> in Uncut Gems. Gems, right. Way to be anti-Semitic, <laughs> Academy of... <laughs> Motion pictures. So, so I was listening, listening very intently uh, to Tony Kornheiser and, and his conversation with Ann Hornaday as they talked about why it is this way. Um, and just one thing he said, and, I'm, and I apologize because I'm going to get the quote wrong, but he's like, you have to understand, like it's a, 
it's a party for a private club. And so what's, why have we put to, you know, sort of to your point, why have we put this value template on this thing? And why does it draw so much angst, you know, or, or angst or elation on the other side of things when, when you actually like, oh my God, you know, finally won, we've arrived, you know. Uh, you know what? What is that? And and I look at myself and I'm like, well, this is frustrating because even my you know to see that Matthew Cherry's uh, animated short Hair Love, which is something that you know obviously for for me something that I I pushed money towards and um, shameless plug, uh, <laughs> but um, but. Because my girls, you know, just the, the sort of the tie uh, with, with my daughters and what it means to us, like it feels good to see that recognition. But then you're also like, well, there's no there's no value in that. Like they can't tell me I'm great. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's 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 nuts. And well, what are you do? <laughs> the, the, the Academy has done a very good job maintaining their brand. Right. And, and, and they've maintained exactly the popularity of this by keeping it fresh by keeping it relevant by by doing months and months of lead up by making people think that this matters and and maybe it does yeah i i've i've never walked out of a of a of a movie thinking man that guy better win best actor i'm going to be pissed no i've walked out of a movie saying that movie was incredible and whether right. someone wins or doesn't win doesn't affect me um but again I, and i understand how that it's been thrown in my face before by people who have been in my life that, oh, if, if this doesn't matter, why do you get upset when the Baltimore Orioles lose? That doesn't affect your life. I submit that that, a, that they, actually does. They're wrong. <laughs> they are, they are <laughs> misinformed, and thus that's why they're no longer in my life. Excellent. Great talk. Great talk. <laughs> Listen, folks, uh, we took a look back, and when we return, we're going to deep dive. So stick with us. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. And we are back, and it's time to deep dive. Uh, gentlemen, so this week, Major League Baseball saw um, quite a lot of activity. Uh, the Houston Astros saw their general manager and manager fired, respectively, and we saw the Red Sox, Alex Cora, uh, fired for uh, their involvement in cheating, sign-stealing um, practice. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that specific um, subject, but also at the same time talk about what we're seeing now with uh, what I'd, which started seemingly with uh, a comment made or a couple comments made um, by the Seahawks' uh, infamous running back, um, Marshawn Lynch. There you go. Marshawn Lynch. Beast mode. Sorry. Um, and then the the retirement announcement today uh, of Luke Keekley uh, at 28 years old uh, through a series of concussions. I believe he had up to upwards of like uh, it was a five, lot. six, it, at least five or, or more concussions. The last one was two years ago, but that one was about right. So and and what we are seeing is is a what seems to me as a bit of a trend uh, in the NFL with players obviously paying. And, and, and good for them, paying more attention to their health. Um, you know, Gronkowski, uh, as we've seen him, he recently retired and, and also under the same uh, pretenses of, of the, his, his concussions. Um, 
So we're gonna we're gonna dive into that. Talk a little bit about how the Major League Baseball and the NFL. Uh, is handling this sort of brand crisis and how people are viewing the sport. I know for we are all um, baseball, you know, baseball runs deep uh, in, in our blood and, and what we appreciate. Uh, so what, you know, like what does that mean for baseball? What does it mean for Houston fans, Red Sox fans? I don't really care about the Red Sox fans, but um, let's, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, John, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah, let me set the table for Chris here. So um, the, uh, the basics here, you know, that, after a very long and detailed investigation, Major League Baseball determined that the Houston Astros in the 2017 season when they did win the, the uh, World Series uh, did in fact participate in an illegal activity of recording signs uh, that were being flashed by the catcher to the pitcher um, and then finding a way to relay the um, you know, the interpretation of those signs to a person in the dugout uh, who then, you know, slammed a garbage can and let the Houston batter know that, you know, the pitch coming was going to be either a fastball or a curveball. Um, that's a very simplified um, explanation of what they did, but that's essentially what Major League Baseball found them guilty of doing. Now, I look at this issue um, not only through the lens uh, of being a sports fan, but the the lens of being a communicator, I found the entire thing very uh, just a little nuts. Uh, in that we we've all taught or explained to our bosses the idea of going ugly early, of of going out there and owning the mistake, uh, tearing off the bandaid, commuting or communicating your um, you know your mea culpa, and and then driving on with your with your damage control. Um, baseball. Yeah, we talked about how the Academy uh, of Motion Pictures has done an expert job of maintaining their brand and their popularity uh, through the years. Uh, baseball is now at kind of an existential crisis, in my opinion. You know, for for a lot of kids out there, you know, who thought that that you know the World Wrestling Federation and Hulk Hogan and all that was actually legit stuff and true sports, and that you know it wasn't fixed. You know, when they finally found that out. They're like, oh, man, I didn't realize all this was fake. Now, a lot of baseball fans are probably saying, wait a minute, they use technology to you know, steal signs? Um, you know, the, this, the purity of the game is going away. I think what Major League Baseball is afraid of in terms of managing their brand is owning up to the fact that this might be a little bit more commonplace than, than a lot of people are letting on, or, that, or at least more than a lot of people knew. Um, you know, a lot of people have said that stealing signs is a part of baseball. It goes all the way back to the beginnings of baseball, right. but not through technology. So I, I think that Major League Baseball, as I viewed this whole thing as a communicator, as they came out, Major League Baseball was very careful to weigh all the evidence and then levy an incredibly uh, um, draconian um, sentence upon the Houston GM and the Houston manager. Um, and, and then immediately after those suspensions were announced by baseball, Houston had the opportunity to communicate very provocatively too. And they went ugly early. And within hours of Major League Baseball's suspension, Houston fired them. Um, you saw Boston kind of do the same thing uh, with Cora. Uh, that, all right, well, now that Houston's done this, we kind of have no choice. We're not going to wait for Major League Baseball to give him his punishment. We're just going to fire him. Right. These organizations went ugly early, and I think their hope is that 
it is dealt with right now and and swept and and over with so that a bigger and longer discussion doesn't take place where major league baseball might have to basically own up to the fact that maybe every single team has been using technology to steal signs for the longest of times. Chris, if you believe what he just said, and it's been said, we've heard this before, if cheating has been a part of baseball since the inception, right? Does it matter that now we're making the the the, the uh, point that, well, if you're going to use technology, it's a problem? Does it hang on that? Does do, do you do you have a problem with that? Is that is technology a bridge too far? Yeah, it, it isn't for me, um, and I I think it's a false distinction, uh, and I think it's one that um, I think a lot of fans are going to have a hard time with the way this was handled. Um, the two individuals with the Astros were very popular, uh, not only in uh, Houston, but they were popular in the game. Alex Cora is extremely popular in the game um, as a uh, Hispanic manager that has done a great job of being able to um, not only help his team, uh, help lead his team, but also to get um, Hispanic talent uh, from throughout Latin America and elsewhere uh, to come to the major leagues and, and cultivate that talent. And so the distinction that they use technology or banged on trash cans or whatever is, is not one that I care about. If they were going to do something to protect the game, they're three or four years too late. The idea that people in the league office or people in front offices around baseball didn't know that this was going on um, is ridiculous. And so to be draconian at this um, at, at this point it, it is silly. Like I'm not sure who they're trying to convince or who they're trying to absolve of these past sins. Um, I, I think the real black eye to the brand isn't is in how this whole thing has been handled. That's the last thing I'll say. If you, I don't understand how this is a game that has embraced the use of technology to drill down on um, every component of metrics available to the players and the front offices. It's a game that uses technology and encourages hitters and pitchers to go in between innings and look at how they're performing and how other people are performing. It's a game that allows each team to use technology to review plays before the managers make a decision on whether or not they're going to ask New York to intervene. So why wouldn't it be okay to use technology to look at other teams' signs? Because there's been no effort to, to stomp out sign stealing with the naked eye. Um, so to me, this whole thing is just, it's just nonsense. I mean, it, 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 baseball had so much momentum um, coming out of the steroid era and coming out of the strike era. I, I think this is a, like a self-inflicted gunshot wound in how they've handled this. If you're the Dodgers, how do you react? Well, I think the, the game is, the, the purity of the game is such that I don't think anyone wants to air quote, win a World Series because another team had to vacate it. That doesn't do it for fans or for players. You, you win it fair and square on the field. And if it was determined that 
in some way there's a technicality that gave it to you, I, I think the purity of, of athletics is that you either won or you didn't. Um, and, and two years later, saying that you won a World Series, what, are they going to have a parade you know, outside of Chavez Ravine? Like, it's not going to happen. Um, the, the big thing for me is not just what I brought up in terms of how Major League Baseball and the Astros communicated in order, you know, in going ugly early. It's that I'm, I wonder what the next chapters will be because the Astros owner, I thought, kind of slipped up when he was giving his press conference when he was identifying Hinch, the manager, and the GM as being culpable here, um, he said the following. He said, they didn't start it, but they didn't do anything to stop it, uh, referencing the, the, the illegal uh, stealing of signs. So right. my question is, as an investigative reporter, and will ESPN do this, like investigatively report their cash cow which gives them Sunday night baseball for a great amount of money. Are they going to really be independent journalists and dive deep into who started this and further tear down the brand that puts food on their table? I don't know, but I want to know who started it. And if Major League Baseball is saying, well, no players are going to get, uh, are going to get disciplined by this, well, then why? They were the ones that, if A.J. Hinch just knew about it and didn't do anything about it, then the people who actually did it should should be held to the same fire, you know, upon their feet. I, I, I just, there's a, that's why I think there's, there's, there are more chapters coming for this. And, right. and I think that to segue us, I think that really makes other people happy in that let baseball take the heat from us right now. Cause again, people give a shit about Oscar noms or Oscar um, omissions. Uh, they care about, baseball cheating you know they don't care about politics um the nfl i think is going to benefit a great deal from the baseball controversy because they've they've got issues uh in terms of protecting their brand and the safety of their players you mentioned it in the in the beginning that luke keekley who's only 28 years old retired um everyone knows that he has a very decorated concussion history which is terrible uh marshawn lynch in his press conference after after Seattle lost to Green Bay, basically saying, hey, you guys have to take care of yourselves. You know, this is a dangerous game. Um, I think I think it possibly, you know, starts a discussion if more and more young players um, start retiring uh, before they're even in their prime, um, not just out of their prime, uh, that, that they're going to have a problem, you know, maintaining everyone's trust in the game. You already see a much lower participation in prep football from overprotective helicopter parents now because of the fears of concussions. So if you don't have that that breeding ground feeding the NFL, will that brand uh, maintain solvency going forward? Who knows? But right now, I'm sure they're happy to let baseball take all the bad press from them. Chris, let me see if I can package this up and deliver it to you so you can take us, uh, take us out of here. Um, as it pertains to what we do, all right, uh, and what we've been trained through, in our careers. John mentioned the whole uh, theory of going ugly early, and this is something that we have taught and pushed, uh, executed in, in what we've done as naval officers out here. So as you see, and we talk about it, whether you're talking about politics, entertainment, sports, this culture now of, well, let me get out as far in front of this to try and solve or um, you know keep things 
um, as under the radar as possible. Um, so I'm not so I'm not dealing with an emergency or a crisis or or an issue. I'm, I'm keeping it at this level. Can the pendulum swing too far? And then how do we get it back to center? Whether you're talking about cheating in baseball or a health issue is what we're seeing. And this is this is not new with football. I mean, it, it's it, it's you know tick 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 and, and going. And now we are finally seeing players like, well, maybe I do need to pay attention to my health and and uh, and and what's happening uh, with with recurring head injuries. But can there be? Um, can you go too far? Get a little too far out in front? I think you can. That answer is colored by your view of what the goal is and, and what calculus you use. So this whole go ugly early calculus is based on the idea that you'd rather deliver one death blow, get it all out, all the dirtiness, the nastiness, even if some of those issues associated with the dirtiness and, and the the nastiness have not been arbitrated, even if they're not 100% uh, true in the sense that they haven't been run to ground or, or, or whatever, just get it out um, rather than deal with the potential of death by, you know, two weeks, three weeks uh, of small stories as people kind of dig, dig into it. I worry that in an effort to go ugly early, in an effort to get it all out, um, we miss the opportunity to be principled and we miss the opportunity to be discerning of the facts and therefore um, good people get thrown under the bus in the name of either the institution or the league or you, you know some larger organization as a way of protecting itself. So whether you're a, a big company and it's time to get rid of the CEO because, you know, it must be the CEO's fault that you have a defective product um, or whether you're a, a baseball team and, you know, you got to fire the manager because it's, you know, you're not performing the way you want. You tend to have a fall person or a fall issue and try to lump as much stuff on that person as possible and then ignore that that person ever existed in the effort of moving forward. I mean, th this is just the trend that um, ha has taken over uh, communication and has taken over leadership in, in a lot of ways. So will it ever go back? I, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, again, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? I mean, it's... Uh, this is the game that we're sort of all left with uh, with playing. And so is it possible to play it and still be principled? Is it possible to play it and still be discerning of facts? It's getting tougher and tougher. I, for one, uh, I'm, I'm certain you guys will be looking forward to opening day. Uh, I believe we are less than six weeks away from pitches and catches. Yeah, March twenty sixth, <laughs> right? This is opening day. Yankees, Orioles, right? Orioles are going to shock the world. Um, I'm telling you. So I, I, I do believe there is, as far as the fan base is. I mean, concerned. is there anything that you could learn about baseball today that would make you not want to go to opening day? I mean, I guess if they were like Nazis or if they were racist <laughs> or they, you know, beat their wives or I mean, but I'm in, in, in turn, I, I don't. I mean, I was, I was more, I was, I was more um uh tickled 
uh, I guess that uh, uh, Doolittle was mistaken for a Capitol Hill's books employee <laughs> this past week uh, than, than the baseball firings. Um, but hey, listen, uh, we will continue, obviously, to watch uh, the fallout, obviously. Uh, Alex Cora, again, uh, Red Sox manager, uh, fired today. So we'll continue to, to watch the fallout from this. Uh, great talk. Gentlemen, uh, folks, we want you to stay with us. Uh, we're going to come right back, and we will look out on the horizon. You're listening to Three Season a Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. Welcome back to Three Season a Pot with Provision Advisors. Gentlemen, let's look out on the horizon and what the days ahead may bring. Chris, I'm going to go to you first. What do you got? So I spent much of the week at the Surface Navy Association National Symposium in uh, Crystal City. Um, Various members of the Navy and industry talked about what they believe is important for the surface force and what they believe is important for national security. Um, I elected to do this discussion on the horizon instead of looking back at what happened. What I'm going to look at is coming out of that week and coming out of a year in which Navy leadership has tried very, very hard to identify the need for the Navy to grow both in in numbers and in capability as a way of um, dealing with the the rise of China, the, the rise in poor behavior of Russia, other issues on the sea. Coming out of this year and coming out of this particular event, will there be any traction or, um, as we've talked about really at length uh, on the pod and throughout other episodes, will it fall on deaf ears? Does it make some trade news and then it goes away? So that's what I'm going to be watching is can the Navy uh, and the Marine Corps grab on to uh, some momentum out of this week and carry it into the budget rollout and carry it into the presidential election and actually create more interest and more awareness for the issues that they're trying to sell. Well, having joined you at SNA yesterday, um, you and I were talking with one of our old uh, bosses, old chinfos, about how SNA has changed uh, the event itself. And, And walking around yesterday, I was taken by just how professional a job um, SNA does and what an opportunity it provides the Navy to further sell itself um, and the uh, coordination and uh, relationships they share with defense contractors, uh, with everyone who's trying to advance, um, you know, the common goal of our of our uh, strategic defense and, and our the health of our defense as a nation. So, um, I, I think I think SNA is is a first rate. Um, experience and, and a really good viewpoint into a bright future for, for the services. Hopefully, if uh, they get everything they ask for, as, as the CNO uh, made very clear in his keynote remarks. All right. Uh, John, what are, you at, uh, what are you looking at this week? Um, I am looking at the moon and at Mars. Um, I have to tip my cap to uh, the good people at NASA for making people actually interested in the space program again. Um, I can't remember days in the past when it was news that 12 astronauts graduated from the astronaut candidate program. And I just remember it being 
well, they're astronauts and how they became astronauts wasn't really interesting to me. I just wanted to know when the Challenger was going up or when Discovery was going up or or any of that stuff. And and in the aftermath of a lot of NASA failures that involved very much well, very high profile um, disasters that took lives of very brave astronauts, um, that they have taken very dedicated steps from the death of the space shuttle program to really uh, embrace the future of spaceflight, which involves coordination and collaboration with civilian um, agencies who help us to get to space with the Russian government, which is kind of ironic. Um, but in the end, uh, really, really bright days ahead for, for us to go back to the moon in two years, which uh, was a goal. Um, and from there to possibly go to Mars, um, the, the, the young men and women who just graduated from this NASA class uh, look very, very sharp as they all are. Um, I'll put a particular shout out to my old shipmate, uh, Lieutenant Kayla Barron, uh, who came out of the Naval Academy in the first class of female submariners, uh, you, you know, part of that plank owner class of, of mids who were able to go submarines while being female. Um, and all she did was kick ass at that, come back to the Naval Academy, serve as the flag aide when I was there, and now she just graduated from the astronaut program. So a uh, little bit of a spoiler alert here. The, this woman is insanely smart, and if I'm putting the trust of the future of the space program in anyone, I'm very happy to put it in her and uh, her shipmates. Oh, it's kind of the, uh, with Kayla, it's kind of the future of the human race, right? I would feel very comfortable putting that in her hands. I'm looking oh, yes. at my notes, and I you know, had written down next to my debate comments, can a woman be president? Well, I mean, if you meet Kayla, <laughs> she can be whatever she wants. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool to see. And, and there are a lot of stories like that in that group. And that's what's so cool, in addition to the technological and scientific milestones. Um, it really does show the greatness of what Americans uh, are and can be. So it was pretty cool to watch that this yeah, week. Yeah, I think, I think what NASA is doing is smart, and it's getting people to believe less in the planet that they hope to get to or the moon, which we haven't been to you know, since the early 70s. Um, it, it, now putting the focus on the people and selling the people and selling their, they all have Instagram handles, Astro Kayla or Astro Ben. I think that's just a sign of them being participatory in, in this world of social media. And you better make sure these astronauts uh, can be sold to the American people or else it's going to be really hard for, for us to sell the idea of going back to the moon. I, I think a lot of us think we're going back to the moon because everyone who remembers when we went to the moon is dead or too old to really tell the story you know, very well anymore. Kayla, yes, insanely smart, awesome shipmate, will do amazing things above and beyond NASA. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm watching intently at how we handle these next three to four years with this you know, new cadre of astronauts, where we'll go and, and how we'll continue to carry on the importance of space exploration as a conversation. Definitely, definitely. Uh, now, oh, ho hold on to your necks as we make this <laughs> next. I mean, if, I was gonna, if you are ever going to get whiplash on this podcast, we're, we'll go from, you know, space, the final frontier to. <laughs> right. And so wait. it's so listen, it's so apropos that you that you say it just like that, because I was sitting here thinking like, you're, you're, how am I going to get there? Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, 
how did we get here? Um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this week's show by talking about something that is absolutely absurd to me. And well, Bashan, why would you guys even talk about this? And so we find ourselves here on the fifteenth of January, twenty twenty, uh, on three season a pod. Uh, far be it for us not to talk about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex uh, and yeah. their and their current role or or their place in the news. Remains why why we are drawn to the goings ons of the royal family, the Windsor Sussex Wales uh, conglomeration? Uh, I I have no idea. It has no bearing on my life. I don't know why it. it, it I don't know. You'd have to talk to. Royal historians or, or other people who give Meghan Markle the, an Oscar in, for all I care. I mean, I, it's all dumb. I don't understand if this individual or this married couple wants to um, extract themselves from the grounds of, or wherever it is that they live and do a little time in North America, a little time in uh, in Great Britain. I don't know why that's a big deal. Um, well, I think it's I think it's brand management, right? You know, the the queen the queen called an emergency damage control meeting. You know, they are worried about about the further secularization of their brand, and 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 that scares the shit out of them. That that Meghan Markle is going to be the you know the 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 ice pick into you know into the the pride and into the the culture of of royalty, which people in America still care about for some reason. I don't know why, but we, we, that's what they're worried about. Yeah, we we do as a as a as a country. We care oh, about yeah. why I mean, does think, it lead off the Today Show well, all the time? Think, think about. I mean, there's still fairy tales. There's still. I mean, it's the idea. I, I mean, it's the embodiment of like what little boys and little girls grow up sort of thinking about or or did right, i mean right, you, right, you know right. like you're gonna be prince charming or you're gonna be i don't know any of the princesses so, like <laughs> oh, what, whatever one of the disney games one of the ones yeah, that yeah. i introduced <laughs> my daughter to at disney <laughs> you know but um and then it's kind of this mini soap opera and i mean it's just something that's different than uh than than we have here i mean because there's royalty there's other royalty around the world. I mean, yes, we, we yes. don't focus on the Saudi royal family with the same interest that we do with the uh, the Brits. Right. So um, I, I don't know. But I, I do agree with what John said about the brand. I mean, it is a well-cultivated brand, and I think that's the fear. I will say this. I, I had a laugh when um, – did you see the video that came out about where um, Harry was talking to Bob Iger – no. Oh, okay. Oh, that one. Yeah, she yes, does yes, voiceovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know she does voiceovers, and Bob Iger <laughs> looks so <laughs> uncomfortable. And you know, it's like, oh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And so, like, I looked at my wife, and I was like, I cannot get you to talk about my business. <laughs> But there's the freaking, you know, Prince of England, you know, pimping out his, his wife's, yep. uh, um, you know, voiceover work. Like, he's a good dude, man. He's throwing it all away, right. you know, to, to be with and, her. And again, why, but, why but won't throwing, he? I'm teasing. I was going to say throwing all of what? Like. But, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for him to just say, hey, listen, my uncle hung out with Jeffrey Epstein. I think it's disgusting. So I'm out of here. Peace. You know, it, a lot of that could be behind the scenes where Harry, you know, where 
he is looking at his mother as the the ideal of what he thought royalty was. And I'm not going to go into Princess Diana, but it, you know, if, that that is who America loved. That's what got America, I believe, back into tracking royalty. Like we're all this collective paparazzo um, trying to you know keep keep track of what's happening with the royal family. You know, so now I if if I had to surmise, and this makes me just as bad as the press, <laughs> I think he's sitting there saying, uh, "Why do I want to be a part of this shit show where Prince Andrew is hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein and who knows how how ugly that stuff gets." And yeah, I think that they treat my wife like shit because she is of color. So I'm out of here. Uh, you can't really be that blunt, but I think that's what everyone reads in it. And I just think that people in America should be like, all right, well, that's there. Do we care about what's happening to the royal family? And, you know, I'm trying to remember the fake country and coming to America. I just screwed it up. It was like Kaninga or uh, Zamunda. 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 Yes. I was close. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Don't look at me, what? Mr. I haven't seen a single Oscar movie this year I've and shit on me about America. coming to America. I will. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll get us out of here on this uh, as we talk about brand management. Um, you know, you, if you want to you want to keep the brand uh, for the royal family moving in the right direction. All we need is just keep showing videos of the queen pushing that Range Rover. Oh, it was and so awesome. <laughs> yo, we are good to go. That's all I need I mean, to I won't let my dad near a car. She's out there Range Rovering it up. <laughs> Too much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on Three Scenes in a Pod. Boy, that was a trip. Great show. Great show. Um, stick with us. Uh, remember, folks, you can find us um, on, on all your social media platforms. Uh, wherever you download uh, your podcast. So look out for Three Season Pod uh, from Provision Advisors. I uh, want you folks to have a great weekend. Uh, it's holiday weekend coming up. Uh, so get out there. Remember, it's not a day off. It's a day on for Martin Luther King Day. And uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. Uh, in the meantime, we want you to be good, be safe, and be better than yesterday. Thank you for listening to Three Season a Pod. Have a great week. <laughs>